we bow our heads once more before we go to the Word together? We need to pray and ask for God's wisdom today and at all times as we gather around His Holy Word. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we are so thankful for this day that You've given us for worship. This day that we have to set aside and to be reminded of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each and every Sunday, we ought to come with expectant hope, knowing that we serve a risen Savior. A Savior who conquered death in the grave, who conquered sin and hell, and it's the penalty of sin. Lord, it is a very precious thing that we have your word to study today, and a very precious thing that we can gather here to be encouraged and challenged by it. So we pray for your word to do its work. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal your truth and challenge to us and admonition to us and encouragement to us. You know each of our needs. You know where each one of us is in life and the the challenges that we face and the hardship that we must endure and difficult decisions that we must make. And even that, you know that, gives us courage and hope and strength. You also know our hearts. You know where we struggle with sin. And you know where we need to be challenged. So, Lord, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us today with your word at all times. Father, I pray that my words would not distract from your word and your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bible teacher Donald Gray Barnhouse lived between 1895 and 1960. He told of a young son of a missionary couple in Zaire who was, this young son was playing in the yard one day, and suddenly the voice of the boy's father rang out from the porch, as Barnhouse put it. He, his father yelled, Philip, obey me instantly! Drop to your stomach, and immediately the youngster did as his father commanded. Now crawl toward me as fast as you can, and the boy obeyed. Stand up and run to me. And Philip responded unquestioningly and ran to his father's arm. arms. Barnhouse says, as the youngster turned to look at the tree by which he had been playing, he saw a large deadly snake hanging from one of the branches. At the first command of his father, Philip could have hesitated and asked, well, Why do you want me to do that? Or he could have casually replied, in a minute. But his instant obedience without questioning saved his life. Instant obedience without questioning. Pastor and hymn writer Phillips Brooks, he wrote the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, once had a church member come to him. church member came to him and came to tell him that he was going to go to the Holy Land and he said that it was his uh, intention to visit Mount Sinai. In fact, the, the fellow told his minister, I plan to climb to the top of that mountain and when I get there, read aloud the Ten Commandments. Thinking that this would please Dr. Brooks, the church member was surprised to hear his pastor say, um, you know, you know I, I can think of something even better than that. The man responded, uh, you, you can, Pastor? Well, what's that? Uh, Brooks replied rather bluntly, just this. Instead of traveling thousands of miles to read the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, why not stay right here and keep them? Hmm. 
Why not stay right here and obey, right? Would you agree with me in that, have you seen in your life this truth that the safest place in the world for a follower of Christ, for the man, for the woman, the girl, or the boy who is a follower of Christ and wishes to please God, the safest place to be is the place of obedience? The safest place to be is the place of obedience. That truth is illustrated again and again for us throughout the Scriptures that the safest place for those who wish to honor God with their lives is the place of obedience. We see it in the life of Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. But you know what? Joseph was protected by God, wasn't he? We see it in the life of Daniel, who trusted and obeyed God rather than men and was thrown to the lions but protected by God. We see it in the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who obeyed God and worshipped God rather than man and were thrown into a blazing furnace, and yet they were protected by God. And all those Sunday school stories we've heard growing up of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and of all those who've gone before us, who are illustrated for us in the Word, the safest place to be for those who want to honor God and glorify God with their life, the safest place to be is the place of obedience. We come to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 this morning. Why don't you take your copy of God's Word and turn in it? with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 20. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's a little book kind of back there in the New Testament, sometimes hard to find. Let's go there together and look at this one verse as we arrive here today in the, in the midst of our study. And I told you last week that if you will go home and read Colossians chapter 3 and from verse 1 to verse 17 you should see how, how those verses will prepare you for the verses that follow in the remainder of chapter 3, which really is uh, life in the family and life in the world. Uh, those verses beginning with verses 18 through uh, 25 and actually chapter 4, verse 1. All those verses in the previous studies that we've done together in the early parts of Colossians, preparation for living in the family in preparation for living in the world. Real life kind of stuff. And we need these verses, and we came to verses 18 and 19 last week, and I challenged husbands and wives to obey God's Word. And we come to verse 20 today. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, there's a reminder for children. There's a reminder for children here, but I want you to know this too. There's a reminder for parents too. There's a command here for children, and there's a reminder here for parents, and not only children, but all of us. Not just parents, but all of us. And here's, here's a timely reminder for us that will never be out of date. Obedience is pleasing to God. Obedience is pleasing to God. And that which is pleasing to God is good for you. It's so simple was so profound that obedience is pleasing to God, but that which is pleasing to God is good for you. Colossians 3, verse 20 is often a passage that is loved by parents and not so loved by children. (laughs) Right? 
verse 20. I want you to follow along with me. Children, and you know this, right? Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Can I just turn it around for a minute and say, parents, take heart, children, okay? Parents, obey the Lord in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This passage is for children, but it's also for parents. And it's also for the rest of us. I want you to know this morning that there's truth here that we can all live by and gain hope from. First, this morning, I want to talk to the youngsters, the young people. And first, I want you to think about who this passage is for. It's, it says right in the beginning, children. <laughs> so it's for children. But you might be thinking, well, I'm not a child anymore, okay, so this isn't for me. But more specifically, let me tell you that this passage is for all children, and that means young people who are still living at home, okay? So I think that this passage applies to all young people who are still living at home. This isn't just for the kiddies. This is for small children, for medium-sized children, for for large-sized children, and as they say at McDonald's, for super-sized children, okay? And may I suggest that this is for young adults who choose to remain at home in their parents' household beyond the teen years. That might be controversial for some, but I believe that that's scriptural. But lest you think that this is not a passage for you, parents, and lest you think that this is not a passage for you, folks, without children, it is for you. I'll show you why in a moment if it's not obvious to you already. But first, I have some words for children. And just in case your children are in children's church this morning, if they're eight or younger, they're not here. But I would encourage you to get a copy of this message. We'd be happy to put it on a CD for you, or you can download it from the website later this week. And take this message and actually play it back with your young children. You might think that 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 is not time well spent, but I would argue with that because God's Word is powerful and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, and, and your children have souls that can be affected by God's Word. So I want you to, to think about those parents. If you have youngsters in junior church this morning, get the audio and play it back with them and, and listen to this again with them. This passage is for children, but this is also for parents. This is for us in the body of Christ, God's church. first a word for children then in a moment a word or two for parents and if you're not a child or you're not a parent you can benefit from this message this morning by learning with us okay and I say us because I'm a parent and I'm still learning and I'm still being challenged by God's word and I'm still being convicted by God's word when I don't measure up to God's high standards of parenthood but this is for us okay If you're part of this body of Christ, you need to pray for those people who have children. You might be a grandparent. You might be an aunt or uncle. And you have people in your family, young people in your family, that you can influence toward Christ with these truths. So these are for all of us. Encourage us, would you, with children. Pray for us. Instruct us, would you. Point us to God's word and God's hope and God's truth in raising our children, would you. This is, uh, this is for children today, and this is for parents. This is all for all of us. 
You may be a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. You have a part in the life of a young person. And as a part of this church, there are young people and parents in our fellowship for whom you should pray and you can influence in this area. So let's listen together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together in God's word. But first, a few words for children. And you can all listen in, okay? Because this will be helpful for you too. Young people. Are you guys listening to me today? I hope you always listen to me. Not that you need to listen to me, okay? But you need to listen to God's Word. Alright? Young people and children, young adults who are still living at home under your parents, I want you to listen. Obey your parents. Obey your parents. I come to a passage like this this morning. As an individual who did not practice this, as a young person, I've told you before, my parents thought I was such a good kid. And I was saved at a young age, and I'm so thankful for that. But I remember living my teenage years from time to time with a great amount of rebellion in my heart. And so I come before you young people, not with a victorious story of my obedience to Christ as a young person, And my obedience to my parents as a young person, I conformed on the outside. But I was bitter inside. And my bitterness as a young person led me to make foolish decisions that have affected my whole life. And so I plead with you, young people, obey your parents. And I challenge you, young people, that external obedience is not enough. The attitude of your heart is critical. Obey your parents, Paul says. And this is more of an absolute statement or command than in verse 18 if we were to go back to verse 18. And young people, I want you to go with me and parents and those. Let's look at verse 18 where it says to wives, and we talked about this last week, and this is such a huge controversy in our culture, but in God's standard, this is how the family properly operates. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives And do not be harsh with them. Now when you look at verse 18 and it says submit to your husbands, that is a command from God to submit. But I told you last week, in the family relationship, that is a voluntary thing that the wife does. It is never something that the husband comes in and says, you're to submit to me and you're going to do it and I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to make you submit. That is not right. That is not the picture of biblical submission in the family. 
This is something that a wife willingly does because it is modeled by Jesus Christ who submitted to the Father and gave Himself as a sacrifice for us. And yet that never made Him less than God. He was always God. And in the Christian home, this is how families operate properly when the wife willingly, lovingly, reverently, reverently, out of respect for her husband, submits to his wisdom and his authority. He may not always act wisely. And he may not always love as he should. But it is a willingness that the wife brings to the marriage to submit. Now, I have to tell you, young people, that this is not the same case here with this phrase, obey your parents. This is not for you to come and willingly to voluntarily submit yourself to your parents. God's Word is adamant about this. You must obey. This is more of an absolute statement or a command than it is in verse 18 where it's supposed to be a willing, voluntary submission by the wife. There's really nothing willing or voluntary about this, although you should willingly obey your parents. The meaning here for children here is literally to listen under. Listen under your parents or really listen to your parents and do it. This is not a, a voluntary action. It is expected. You have no choice in this matter of obedience. The parents. Because this is what pleases God. Your obedience to your parents is what pleases God. You might say, young person, but my parents aren't fair. My parents aren't fair. They don't care about my feelings. They don't love me. I have to tell you that that's not the issue here. It doesn't, doesn't matter whether your parents are fair or whether they care about your feelings or whether you think they love you or not. That's not the issue here. God's Word says, children, obey your parents. Well, you argue, but, but, but in what? Don't I get to do anything I want? Don't I have any liberty? Paul says, children, obey your parents in everything. In everything. What does it mean to to, to obey in everything? Well, it means that you, you are to obey when? Always. In what? All things. How? And this is critical. Willingly, You're to obey willingly and joyfully. And how, how you must obey your parents is clearly laid out by Paul that you obey in everything. And not only just, okay, I'll obey whatever you say. You know, I'll do it as I'm afraid I did as a youngster often. Not always, but often growing up. Oh, fine, I'll, extor- I'll, I'll, I'll conform myself externally to what you say that I'm to do as your child, but inside, I'm rebelling. And what happens inside leads to things that you will do externally in life. It means that you are to obey always in everything, and you are to do so with the right attitude, willingly. Now, I want to challenge you and encourage you that As young people, you find this hard, don't you? 
children, young people, you find this hard, don't you, to do so willingly? You can't do it on your own. All right? You can't do it on your own. That's why you need Jesus Christ. As a young person, you need to confess that you're a sinner to Jesus Christ and ask for Him to forgive you of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, to save you from your sins. And when He does that, He gives you His Holy Spirit and He helps you obey willingly when you will give yourself to Him and and repent and turn to Christ and say, Jesus, help me because I'm having a hard time obeying my parents willingly. Help me. The Holy Spirit comes alongside you and gives you the strength to do this because it is not in you. It is not a natural thing. But my parents are harsh and mean. As a young person, you might say, my parents are harsh and mean. I'm supposed to do everything willingly. I'm supposed to obey them even though they're harsh and mean. I'm very sorry to hear it. And they should not be harsh and mean. And we're going to address this in verse 21, Lord willing, next week. And it is a very serious problem when parents are harsh and unloving. And it is not pleasing to God when that occurs. But young person, God's word commands you to obey your parents in all things. And here's where you must grow in your trust of God. You may have a parent or or parents who don't always do what's right. And they may not always say what's right. But God knows about your situation. Young people, God knows the family that you were born into. God knows your parents. He knows their hearts. He knows how they treat you. He knows about your difficulty. And you must trust in Him that He is in control. And He will not allow you to go through a hardship or a difficulty that can't make you more Christ-like if you will submit to Him and ask for His help. You must obey your parents, and when you trust in Christ and trust in God and the work that He is doing in and through your life, He will bring a very special kind of peace and joy that only He can give. Young people, there's a verse in Isaiah 26, verse 3, that says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Do you trust in God? You need to trust in God. When you obey your parents and you do so willingly, you need to do so trusting in God that He knows about every situation, every detail. He knows what's going on in your family. Do you trust in God that God knew the parents that you would have before He even brought you into this world? He did. God knew the situation you would be in before you ever existed. Trust in God and obey your parents. And God will give you His peace. Your God is a big God. All you have to do, young people, is to look outside and look at creation and think that God created all of this. Think about the complexity of the human body and realize that God created all of this. A God that can do that can help in your life and mine. Your God is a very big God. Your God is an all-knowing God. Your God seeks justice and mercy, and your God will bring justice and mercy into your life. And if you will do what is pleasing to Him, He will bring peace as you obey your parents willingly. You must obey your parents. This is pleasing to the Lord. You need to remember that this pleases the Lord. It ought to be your desire. Young people, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this pleases the Lord and the safest place for you to be is the place of obedience 
And what pleases the Lord is very good for you. Doing what is pleasing to God ought to motivate you to obey your parents, young people. God knows your parents. He knows your needs. He knows your heart. And He knows the attitude with which you obey or the lack of attitude with which you obey. So obey your parents because your obedience to your parents is very pleasing to God. Young people, you might find it hard. You might find it difficult. But remember that your obedience is very pleasing to God. And you want to please your Heavenly Father. I have words for parents this morning as well. And this isn't time for the young people to stop listening. I want you to keep listening, okay? And this isn't time for the rest of us to stop listening if we're not parents. We need this. Simply this, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, those of you who have children in your family who you can influence for Christ, and those of you who are in the church, you know that there are children amongst us here. You can pray for us as parents and pray for the children and influence us in these things. Simply this, teach your children to obey. That sounds so basic, doesn't it? It is. It's very basic, very simple, not simply done. But teach your children to obey. You must teach your children to obey. You realize that, don't you? Parents, you realize that you need to teach your children to obey. They don't come out obedient into this world, do they? Do they come to life and go, ah, I'm going to be an obedient child for the rest of my life, and they just grow up and they're a breeze and they're really obedient? Some, some are, I suppose. But not totally, right? Some children are, you know, I hear parents say, I just had such an angel, you know. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> My kids are angels too, okay? No, they're not, and neither are yours, right? And children need to be taught to obey. Now, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about how you teach your children to obey, so I want you to listen closely because there's some important truth in Scripture that helps us understand how we teach our children to obey. And this is really a heavy burden for parents, so realize that this is more of a burden on you than it is on them. Paul addresses children. First of all, this kind of strikes me that Paul addresses children here. Okay, So he's talking to the family and he says, Children! Are you listening to me, children? He says, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. So there's this reminder here for us that there are children there in the Colossian church. And the whole family was together in the fellowship of the church. And at the very least, this is a reminder to us as parents, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles, we've got to do everything that we can. As parents, we we have the ability to make sure that our children are in church. Okay. At the very least, this is a reminder to us as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that we ought to bring our children to church. Don't leave them home. Part of teaching your children to obey is grounding them in the Word of God. Part of teaching your children to obey is giving them a love for God's Word and a love for the teaching of God's Word. This is the duty of parents to train their children with God's Word. It begins, at the very least, it begins with bringing them to church. It ought not stop here. This is where it starts. 
for the family ought to go home from church and open the Word during the week and use the Word throughout the week to teach spiritual truths to their children and take time to pray together as a family. This ought to be just a beginning. But bring your children to church. And one of those tools you have for teaching your children God's Word is the church and the preaching and teaching that takes place in the church. That's why I say even those youngsters who have gone down to junior church this morning, those eight and younger, can benefit from the teaching and preaching of God's Word. They can't because God's Word is powerful and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword and even little young souls can be influenced with God's truths. So bring them to church. The family should be a part of the church. Don't give your children the option of staying home. The family should be together in the worship meetings of the church. The family should serve together in the church. Parents, God will hold you responsible for whether or not you take advantage of every opportunity to teach your children to, to, to obey God. One of the ways that this happens is seeing to it that they are a part of the church and beginning from birth all the way through the years that they are in your home to make sure that they are here. As I was growing up, my father was almost always a pastor. He was usually bivocational. He was an educator, so he worked in the public school system as a teacher most of the time that I was growing up and also pastored. I don't know how he did it. But most of the time he was a pastor. And my parents found ways to involve us in ministry at a very young age, whether it was learning how to usher or stack chairs or to take the offering or singing as a family. And in my teen years leading singing, I don't always remember, I have to admit, I don't always remember enjoying it. As a matter of fact, I remember being pretty rebellious inside and even sometimes sharing words of rebellion with my parents. I don't want to do that. But my parents were good to insist that I was in church. They even insisted that I take part. And as I grew and matured in the Lord, that rebellion turned to a willing service to the Lord. And looking back, I don't ever remember asking if I could stay home from church. I don't ever remember saying, Hey, Mom, Dad, can I stay home from church today? It just never, never was considered. It never a thought to cross my mind because we were always in church. Now, you might think, well, okay, well, you were a pastor's kid. You were always in church. That's easy for your parents because they had to be there anyway. You were there. I remember missing church one time growing up. Not, not That didn't have to do with health. We've got one that's sick this morning, which is unusual, and Kevin's not feeling well, and he's home. And I remember growing up having a, once in a while not feeling well, staying home, but not very often. I remember being in church a lot of times when I didn't feel very well. But I remember missing one, one service growing up. Um, one, when I wasn't sick and the rest of the family wasn't sick. And we had just moved. It was mid-January in central Ohio, and we had just moved. And my younger brother and I were the only two children still at home, and I think I was about 12. That would have made him 10 or so. We were pretty small. Um, And the last thing I remember moving was a piano, my little brother and myself and my father. The three of us. And we could just barely lift our end of the piano. And I remember the, there was a terrible snowstorm and ice and everything, and there was ice on the sidewalk about that thick. 
and, and we had a sled that we set the piano on, and we slid this, this piano up the sidewalk, and then we had to lift the piano into the house. And I remember that being the last thing we had to move. And that after, I could tell you all about this terrible day we had, and you'd laugh at, at us, but thank goodness that was a long time removed from here, okay? Way, way back in my past. But I remember the next day we got up, and we kind of looked around, and we were all terribly bushed, and we couldn't find our good clothing. Sunday. It was buried somewhere. And we missed church that morning. That was one time I remember missing church as a youngster. We went to church that night, but we didn't go that morning because we couldn't find our stuff and we were all wasted. Don't misunderstand me here. I'm not suggesting that going to church makes one holy. Okay? Taking your children and making sure that they're in God's house of worship and study of the Word doesn't make them holy. Okay? I'm not suggesting that church attendance makes one holy. Church attendance is is really meaningless if the heart isn't in the right place. But not for your children so much who need to be trained and taught and shown how to obey. And if for no other reason than to see your godly example of being in the church, to hear God's Word, to feed on God's Word, to learn to obey yourself, they need to see you obeying God. They need to see you learning from God's Word. They need to see you taking God's Word at face value and realizing that God's Word is a powerful and effective tool for your righteousness and for your life. And they need to see you obey. See, church attendance is important, but for it to be meaningful, for training in God's Word and prayer in the family setting to be meaningful, there must be some evidence in the life of the parents that it's actually doing some good for the parents. And so I say that there's a heavy burden on your shoulders as parents. And for those of us in the church without children, there's a burden on our shoulders as well to model this. I'm talking about obedience to God. If we don't obey God... Why should we expect our children to obey God? You can take your family to church. You can take time to read to them God's Word. And you can study God's Word and memorize it and and pray as a family. But if you fail to obey God's commands in your own life, your children will recognize your hypocrisy and they may reject the Gospel and, and the church. David Pallison writes in his book, Seeing with New Eyes, You've been given God's grace and commanded by your Lord Jesus to give grace to all others, whether married or single, male or female, child or parent, employee or boss, you live within a mutuality, one church, members of one body, brothers and sisters to one another. You are called to be patient and constructive in every relationship. A husband and wife or a parent and child ought to communicate openly, drawing on each other for help and perspective, seeking to understand and encourage each other, repenting of the sins that interfere. No superiority, no double standards. If kids should not backtalk parents, then parents should not yell at kids. If wives should not be shrewish and domineering, then husbands should not be brooding and domineering. The common call applies equally to all, says Pallison. Equally to all. Parents, you must obey God's Word. And you must teach your children to obey. 
Husbands, you need to model humility and Christ-like love for your wife. This pleases the Lord and is a powerful example for your children. Wives, you must willingly and respectfully submit to your husband's leadership in the home. This pleases the Lord and is a powerful example to your children. Children must obey, that's true. But parents must teach them to obey. You do that with firm and consistent loving discipline. Your children will not learn obedience if you are soft and permissive and wishy-washy. Okay? You need to be firm. You need to be a disciplinarian. But you've got to do it with love. Recently, Bob Bernie writes for townhall.com. He says, if, if you're older than 40, the name Benjamin Spock, and this has nothing to do with Star Trek, young people, okay? If you're older than 40, the name Benjamin Spock is more than familiar. It, it was Spock that told an entire generation of parents to take it easy. Don't discipline your children and allow them to express themselves. Discipline, he told us, would warp a child's fragile ego. Millions followed his this guru of child development, and he remained unchallenged among child-rearing professionals. However, before his death, Dr. Spock made an amazing discovery. He was wrong. In fact, he said, no kidding. In fact, he said, we have reared a generation of brats. Parents aren't firm enough with their children for fear of losing their love or incurring their resentment. This is a cruel deprivation that we professionals have imposed on mothers and fathers. Of course, we did it with the best of intentions. We didn't realize until it was too late how our know-it-all attitude was undermining the self-assurance of parents. Bob Bernie says, oops. We can't afford to say oops as parents, can we? As God's church, we can't afford to just say, well, oops. We need to train our children to obey. We need to show them how we obey. We need to obey God's commands. We need to obey God's Word. And then we need to teach them how to obey. We need to hold them to some standards. And we need to discipline them and help them learn to obey. Parents, I want to encourage you this morning because some of you are thinking, well, great, you know, huh? Um, I wish I'd have, you know, been thinking this way years ago. Parents, you cannot go back and change the past. You cannot go back and change the past. We've, we've all made mistakes, but we must confess our sins to God, right? We've got to confess our sins to the Lord and remember to put those sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. He promised to forgive us. He promised to bless us. And then we begin where we are right now. And we begin with our children where they are right now, seeking to raise them to be well-grounded and well-rounded, seeking to raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Parents, Isaiah 26.3 is for you too. You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. And you know that if you're a parent, you must depend on the Lord, right? <laughs> you know that you've got to depend on Christ. You probably have not prayed like you've prayed until you have teenagers, right? You need to pray and trust in God. And, and He'll give you perfect peace that comes only when you depend upon Him and you obey Him and you do what is right. 
Children, I want you to take heart this morning. Young people, I want you to take heart. No child, no young person is perfect. And you cannot accomplish the kind of obedience that God requires of you without His help. You need the help of the Holy Spirit that if you're a follower of Christ, young person, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have His Holy Spirit and you need to depend upon His Holy Spirit. Children, young people, are you listening this morning? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? you realize that Jesus died for you to save you from your sins? Young people, are you listening to me? Children, have you confessed your sin to Jesus and believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because when you do, He gives you Himself. He gives you His presence, His eternal Holy Spirit to indwell you and help you, strengthen you to obey your parents in everything. Because that pleases God. If you have trusted Christ, young person, child, if you've trusted Jesus Christ, you have the strength of the Holy Spirit at work within you. You need to pray and ask God to help you willingly obey. Parents, I want you to take heart. No parent is perfect. Your children will tell you that. (laughs) And you cannot accomplish the kind of training of your children that God requires of you without His help. Parents, have you confessed to God your sin? in your need of a Savior. Parents, have you trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you have, then you too have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is at work in you to grow your family in Christ's likeness and to grow you in Christ's likeness. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the strength of the Holy Spirit residing in you to help you conform to a Christ-like image in the way that you raise your children, in the way that you teach them to obey. Let's pray together this morning and ask for His help in obeying, in teaching others to obey. Father in Heaven, we come before You this morning And this challenge we find in Your Word, though it may at first glance appear to be for children, we realize this is for all of us. As Your children, we must obey You in everything because this pleases the Lord. Father, I pray that every child of God here this morning would have a deep yearning and a desire to please You with their whole lives and begin to take Your Word and find the the things there that You challenge them with, the truths that we know from Your Word, that we would obey them and practice them and conform ourselves to your likeness with the, the complete with our complete dependence on the Holy Spirit and His work in us. Lord, for the young people and children here this morning, Father, I pray that you would help them to obey their parents in everything. Lord, we know that there are many very unjust things that occur in families in unbelieving families and in believing families. Father, we know that that does not glorify You. And Lord, we know that a child may need to resist a parent who is doing something that is very ungodly because they want to please You rather than man. And I pray for children today that they would be very wise, that You would give them Your wisdom. Wisdom to obey their parents in all things that are not directly against God's commands. And Lord, You know, as we all know, 
This is a hard thing for us. As individuals to obey God and as children to obey parents. But Lord, help us to model obedience for our children. And Lord, help our children to obey willingly. Of obedience to you in all things with a deep desire to please God with their lives. Lord, help us as your people. We are so weak. We sin so frequently. And we go against your commands so easily. Convict us of sin in our hearts. And help us to obey you as your children in everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.